What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode number seven of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe, and wow, what an absolutely amazing weekend we had last week with all the horse racing going on, and not to mention, obviously, the big game, the Super Bowl went on, which congratulations to all the Chiefs and all the Chiefs fans and all the Chiefs betters out there that had them. I was not one of them. You all know that, but Howard, I'm, Howard and Charlie will give me enough crap for that and the rest of our panel that was there last Wednesday. But again, thank you to everyone for joining in that show, for watching that show, for kind of our big Super Bowl extravaganza that we put on last weekend. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. But, you know, like I said, congratulations to the Chiefs. They played a hell of a game. They showed adversity even when they were down at, at the half by a wide margin. They still showed adversity, like I said, and they still came back to win the game. So, again, congratulations to them and all their backers. But for now, we're going to go over the late pick four at Gulfstream Park, which features a very nice Philly and Kathleen O, who we haven't seen in a little while since last November. As many of you know her from the Oaks Trail and all through Gulfstream Park last year. So we'll get into that really soon. But obviously, we're going to wrap up the Super Bowl and Charlie's going to talk a little bit about the NBA deadline that is going to come up here as we think it's a very interesting topic to go through. But again, you all know the drill. We're going to go through it. My email is down below. It's going past right now. It is Betton and Boozin. Betton, no G, the letter N, and Boozin at gmail.com. Please send me any emails, whether good or bad. We like constructive criticism around here, so I appreciate it. If you are an audio listener, please go rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, as those are the three platforms we mainly push out our content on if you are an audio listener. So please go over there. But obviously, I just completely forgot. We're going too fast. But if you are new to the channel or you find yourself coming back anyway and watching these videos, why not hit subscribe? It's completely free, no cost to you, and it helps us out tremendously as it lets YouTube know that this is a show that people really want to watch. And same thing while you're down there, please hit that like button. It does that same thing to the YouTube algorithm that really shows YouTube that this is a show that people want to watch. Not only my show, but Howard's shows on or which were just before this and Thursday, the flagship show. So please, if you are if you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. As for the Power Picks, Howard puts on an amazing tip sheet. Every single Saturday morning it is sent out. It covers every sing- every single thing they cover in the show on Thursday, plus an extra track, all with spot plays, grid, uh, ABC Pick 5 grids, and you know how- horses that Howard likes through the sequence that might go off at a little bit of a price. So if you're interested in that, please go hit that up. As it, We had over a almost a dollar over the average ROI for last year, which is an absolutely insane number. They do a great job over there. So please, if you're interested in a very, very affordable, which is, comes out to only $4 a weekend, if you're, very, if you're interested in the tip sheet, please go to patreon.com slash HHH racing podcast. The link is also below in the description. And if, and if you want to see previous versions of that, learn about us or anything on the podcast, please go to our great website which is hhhracingpodcast.com and again thank you to our sponsors of these of these episodes bet us it's a fantastic sports betting and casino platform which would which was great we used it throughout the super bowl they offer so many props so many games everything that you could think of to bet on is on that site so please if you're going to go deposit money please use rit code racing 3h the number 3 racing 3 
H to get a free 125% back if you deposit $100 or more. And please check out Ant, uh, Crown's Way Racing. They're going through an amazing ownership opportunity right now with Series E. That is all linked down in the description. And this, this website is also linked down in the description. It'll tell you all about the horses that me, myself included, I have a little a small piece of and everything else if you want to contact them please email anthony rollo at crownswayracing.com or dm them on twitter at crownsway racing and let me bring on our co-host here and then we'll go through some comments and we'll get right into the super bowl talk guys so from new jersey it is patrick Kunsel, and from ohio state the ohio state university charlie freeman boys what's going on tonight how we doing Got time to crack the beers, boys. I, I forgot to crack it before we started, but cheers to everybody cracked. out there. I'm we'll see, you're prepared. I'm not. That's the way it goes. But cheers <laughs> to everyone out there, and let's get it started with some comments. Vale Place, thank you so much for joining the show. Cheers to you, my friend. I appreciate it. Ralph Conti, thanks so much again. I greatly appreciate it. As you know, Ralph Conti, congratulations. Had Kansas City but wrong with the under. Yeah, I mean, it really – you knew from, like, the after the first quarter where, you know, there's – it's 14 to seven after the first quarter, you knew it was going to be a, a rough sailing for that under, which I took the over. But again, as people know that watch the podcast, I unfortunately had Philadelphia as Charlie. I'm sure we'll give you a bit more as we get into it. But Penn State's got, Birds got stopped. They definitely, hey, you know, we can go over that, but uh, it, it's a ticky tacky call, as I call it. And it's just, you know, they hate to see games like as big of magnitude is that decided by such a small call but you know it put them they, it was going to be fourth down if i'm not mistaken on that play and then it turns into a first down from the four yard line with a minute and a half left and next thing you know you know you're down completely but i completely agree and we'll get into it obviously like i said right now um patrick i kind of want to go to you first i want you to just, just basically i want us to touch on the bets that we made which I I, uh, I gave out a lot of my props on Wednesday night, which hit, which I was very happy about. But just talk about how your weekend went, you know, what you did and how your betting was. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. Philadelphia really, 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 uh, really put my day down for Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell had a good <coughs> Sunday, so that kind of made me a little bit happy because I had a lot of bets that dealt with him and uh, Jalen Hurts, like I talked about on the Wednesday show. Uh, I just, the game did not play out the way I thought it would. You know, I, like I said, I thought the Philadelphia was going to dominate on both line of scrimmages. And to be quite frank, they got dominated on the defensive line of scrimmage. Uh, Casey's uh, offensive line handled them in every way, shape or form. Their defensive line did not show anything. And, uh, you know, they were up 10 at half, but I don't think it was a comfortable 10. Like I, I wasn't going at the half thinking they were, you know, that this game was over because they didn't show, they didn't show me anything that made it seem like it was. Uh, and then, you know, Hertz has that fumble six. And that was the one thing that we talked about. I said, Eagles are four and oh on turnover ratio in the playoffs. They lost the turnover battle and it was, a, you know, a fumble return touchdown. It just was not, uh, was not good. And I, Philadelphia, at the end of the day, they just got outcoached. You know, that was another thing we talked about. Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, outcoached. And, uh, you know, I'll take it. Uh, bad pick by me. and uh, But it was a great game. Great Super Bowl. I mean, that uh, that defensive holding, personally, that's a defensive hold all day of the week. I'm, yep. I'm throwing that flag. It's a penalty. I mean, you grab the pl- you grab the guy, you restrict him from, you know, breaking from a route, breaking out of a route. It's a penalty. And uh, it just stinks that it had to be in that moment of the game. But, 
Uh, I'll let Charlie banter about his Chiefs winning and, you know, everything that he told us on Wednesday. Yep. Charlie, how much, how much shit are you going to give us for this? Yeah, no, I've been waiting for this because it's not even just Super Bowl. I'm very mad at myself for not betting it. I'm just happy because everything, and I know we'll touch on it, but everything in the sports world for me, like I'm on cloud nine wouldn't even justify it. I'm on like cloud 50, to be honest. Everything's going my way lately. Uh, so obviously we start with the Super Bowl, you know, like nailed, obviously the Chiefs said it from the start doubled down on it, tripled down, and it kept hammering in no matter what points were brought up. And then I also want to point out, I know I got the Chiefs right, but I also want to point out the only person who was repeatedly begging everybody to take the over as well. I hit both yep. of them. And I'm mad because the only other thing, this is mine, I don't really care, but I mean, the people don't know this, but after the show, Howard was asking us to give our prop bets. And I made it very clear I am not a prop bet guy. I never do this. And I said, admittedly, I was joking to an extent, but I had said, Locked. what about the octopus bet? I was like, that just feels like a bet that could hit someone to score a touchdown and the two-point conversion. Like, what if that happens to happen? And it actually did, and I didn't realize how rare it is to happen, but I literally was just saying it as a joke. But the fact that I got that right, I should—I mean, I didn't know I was going to be on this kind of heater. I wish I did, because then I could have given that out. And I know we'll touch on it later. I got the shirt on for a reason. But, you know, like, the team I support in the NBA is going to be the champs. I already went to a jewelry store to get my ring size figured out. And on top of that, Northwestern beat the number one team in the nation, I mean, obviously, they're the best team in the Big Ten. They're playing Indiana right now. So, yeah, I know we'll stick to the Super Bowl, but, yeah, life's been very good lately. We'll just put it that way. That top ten, the top team in the Big Ten that gets shit on by one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Hey, one of the know. worst. We're number two in the Big Ten. We're going. To no, the Michigan's one of the worst. Yeah, oh, Michigan's yeah, yeah. one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, but still get. Yeah. I mean, it's basketball. It's not like football where you know those best teams walk in and just absolutely slaughter. Like, like the Ohio States of the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Um, I mean, look, the game was absolutely a great game. I know Matt Miller put it in the chat. Um, it was just a great watching game. Like, you didn't have to bet it to have any sort of, you know, elation. It didn't matter who you were rooting for. If you're a fan of football, you were a fan of that game. It was just an absolutely great game. I mean, the Chiefs were down at half. Andy Reid says some BS, and then all of a sudden, they're back up to touchdown. Like, it's just Andy Reid, uh, you know, you can't say enough good things about Andy Reid. I love him just for the person he is, let alone the coach he is. You know, cheeseburgers and all that stuff. It's he's just an absolutely great guy. So you know, it's always good to see him, and especially I'm sure it's bittersweet for him as it was against his, uh, um, you know, basically his former his former team, which he coached to a Super Bowl back then as well. I mean, but you know, for me, betting wise, just a, on a personal note, I mean. I, I was set from the first drive. <laughs> was I was going to say, didn't you go three for three to start the day? I, I went four for four to start. Yeah, the day. he was set before the game started. I, <laughs> I, I was too, to be fair. My biggest bet of the day, as I told everyone on uh, last Wednesday, was um, tail. Oh, it's tails always. Always it's big. The biggest bet I always make is uh, the other coin toss to start. And I've been right four times in a row, which is just – it's just it's shit luck, to be fair. But it I- was – what? Oh, I, was, I honestly thought it was going to be tails just because I saw something on my TikTok feed of some guy. Like, I saw multiple different people place over $10,000 on it to be had. So, like, and I know you can't rig a coin toss, but I was like, I'm feeling better for Kyle right now. Hey, Vegas fans, all the hey, bets I saw were that. Hey, my girl before, she she flipped it right <laughs> for me. So, that was perfectly fine. So, yeah, like you said, I was set before the – but, I mean, like, I, I'm, I love just – like I said, the first drive determines whether it's going to be a great day for me, an absolute crap day. I had tails. I had a touchback for a, or a kickoff for a touchback. I had a run. The run is the first game of the or the, the game of the play. Nice, Kyle. The play of the game. And I had a, either team to score on the opening drive. So, yeah, the first drive set me for the entire day. And granted, I lost everything after that. But all my stupid prop bets brought me home and I was able to cash on a decent profit. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, like if you're a fan of football, it was just an absolutely great game. Um, I might be in the minority. I think Rihanna absolutely killed the halftime show. That's like prime of my life music right there is old Rihanna. So I was singing along the whole time. I will, I won't admit it that the meme with all the the people in the white jackets running out is like my favorite thing right now. That shit is funny <laughs> as hell, but, um, you see the marshmallow like, thing. Yeah. The marshmallow thing. Exactly. So That's funny. what I mean. It's just stuff like that. I just, I, it happens every year for the Super Bowl, and I just get an absolute kick out of it. They rip people rip on the halftime show for, for no matter what it is. You know, I oh, mean, I, thought like, it was we, fun. I, thought I did too. It was one of the I first know. Time actually vibe to all the songs. Like I'll be honest. I, I'm not the kind of person who will actually like, sit down and stare at the screen during the halftime show i'm the person who's like sitting talking to your friends checking in on like other stuff going on with the world like maybe getting like a tiny bit of homework done last minute because time it's a time crunch in college for sure yeah. but then like just listening to it in the background and just nodding my head and like yeah, i usually am able to just tell by that like if, if i'm able like i don't really care about the visual stuff to be honest with you if i'm able to nod my head and vibe i'm set because there's definitely been halftime shows before where I've looked over and been like, I'm paying attention not because I like it, because I'm like, what on earth is happening? This is terrible. So I honestly, I don't really get the hate. I, and I didn't even know she was pregnant. So I was like, that's Neither did of, I. Yeah. more impressive. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was decent. And I did want to touch on the holding call as a Saints fan. I feel like this is my kind of realm. Yeah, that is. Call versus no call. And to be honest, I do think they got away. I think the reason yeah. people are upset that people are misunderstanding is it's not that people, at least what I was seeing on Twitter, it's not that people were saying it wasn't a holding call. This is what like I respect, but also frustrated me is I would see people get angry. They would say it was a holding call, but it wasn't a bad hold. So you can't call that, but that doesn't make sense to me. I understand it's the Super Bowl, It's a big moment, but just because he didn't tackle the guy, a hold is a hold is a hold. Now, unfortunately yep. that's not always true in pass interference because you know, the Saints would have won a Super Bowl, but apparently assaulting a guy before the ball gets there is not a flag if every ref is from California and Roger Dell wants the bigger market in. But karma ate up with them because then it was the most boring Super Bowl in NFL history. Also, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, some guy, I saw this on BR Bet, and hit it, like won a ton of money because his wife right before the game said the I score did was 38-35. And it's crazy because actually the, the leaked script was almost right. I don't know if you all saw, but um, Nate Burleson or whatever, the wide receiver from uh, the Lions who was on like – good like good morning CBS. football or something yeah yeah he he nailed it it was ridiculous he was like Mahomes MVP Chiefs to win and they'll win 38-35 so he must have gotten the script he had to because he said all three very confident yeah like I said Arian Foster gave it to him but um <laughs> but yeah I mean like I said that shit was like prime of my life I love the halftime show like I said it was just a good game like I was very happy with the way it played out granted not because I gave the losing bet out to everybody naturally, but I did. I was, Hey, I was plugging for the over two. Don't, don't get it twisted. But like I said, I kind of just let you guys talk. Cause it was absolutely funny as hell. Listen to you guys try and rant back and forth to each other. Um, but like I said, I'm more than happy. Again, I cashed on the first drive. I was perfectly fine. So hopefully all of you out there cashed as well as you know, it's, it doesn't, it hurts when you don't win, but it's just, like I said, just a good game in general. And Vail plays showing some love for Charlie. I'm sure he greatly appreciates it. The damn octopus, dude. He told you. But then you know, is his next comment, Patrick, is the yeah the Eagles waited to throw the touchdown pass. You know what? I, I you know I, I'll admit it. I sent Howard a text midway through the first quarter, and I said. I said the Eagles are not going to have to throw the ball once to win this game. They're going to run it right down the throat. That's what it seemed like on the first drive. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they score like, a touchdown. I'm like, you know what? <clears throat> All right. Maybe they will throw the ball. Don't throw the ball until 
you know, they get the ball back with like two minutes to go in the quarter. I'm like, oh crap, they got to throw a bomb. Mm-hmm. They don't throw a bomb until right after the right after the end of the first quarter. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I think Miles Sanders took one after he fumbled that first play or whatever. I don't think he got the ball again for like a, a quarter and a half, maybe. Oh he yeah, he was non-existent. He had negative yeah. two yards at half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, of course, he's on my parlay to score a touchdown. That was the only one I needed. Oh no, Devonta Smith actually did not get in the end zone, which Back that pissed one. me. That pissed me off so much. Well, I'm, I'm, which, I'm getting of, the log of the comments, but I know you are. <laughs> I see it in there, but. uh your uh, like to your point, we were talking about that that uh, prop bet where you know over an over under one and a half yards for the closest touchdown. There was two touchdowns from the one yard line. Yeah, so that yep. that is an easy cash. But Vale Place knows what's up as the best bet. Of course, was the coin toss. Always is the best bet, especially Nothing when more. you hit it and it sets Nothing you for fifty fifty. Absolutely not, especially when it sets you up for the rest of the day. That's always best. You See, know Jim. Well, <laughs> whether you win or lose, yeah, I guess so. Exactly. <laughs> but Jim, yeah, uh, I, I'm not gonna. You're not old, Jim, but you know that. Like I said, I recognized. I think I recognized all the songs. She played her bangers. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing to say. Just every song that she played. She didn't play like anything obscure or anything. The only thing she didn't play was "Don't Stop the Music," and I really wanted to hear that one. I thought I thought she was gonna open with that, but she actually as long didn't as she shot, as long as she uh, sung "Umbrella," I was happy. Yeah, oh, you knew that was coming. I'm really <laughs> surprised. I thought she was gonna end on that, but she actually ended on "Diamond," which I like. I mean, it's a really good song too. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I was vibing the whole time. I didn't really care about the order. I was like, you know what? Because like I'm not the biggest Rihanna person. Like she definitely was bangers, but you know I'm not the person who's actively in my free time trying to listen to her music. But like the fact that most of her songs on, I pretty much like knew all of them instantly. That's all I'm really looking for. Because I'm in the same boat as you, Kyle. Since I'm not like a diehard Rihanna fan, I just want it to be songs that I'll recognize. So again, I can just kind of be in the background vibing to it. Dude, where have you been? Only girl in the world, diamond, I'm bro- dude, bangers. That's all I'm saying. You know, Next- you know what was good too. And so you know, sorry to I, we really shouldn't no, elaborate good. on the halftime show, but <laughs> I know. But <laughs> uh, most halftime, you know, halftime performances that you know they like to change and they like to you know change the sets and stuff like that. She stuck to the same set and just yep. sung her song. Like I like that. Like yeah. people were like, "Nah, you got to change it up." No, I like that. You know, stick to that and just sing and perform. It, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I did like it. It was good. like I said, only only the best analysis out here is we're analyzing yeah. the halftime show and what goes on. Exactly. But Charlie, it's your turn to your time to shine, my friend, because we're gonna go on. Which your team made a lot of moves, and one of my, and my team ended up picking up one of those moves, which I don't really know how happy I am about it. But the the Bucks need someone else down low other than Giannis, because I mean Giannis can score forty points all day, but Drew Holiday actually scored forty points the other day, which I, I've been waiting two and a half years for him to do that, but. You know, it's the way it goes. But we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA deadline before we get into the horse racing, guys. Charlie, like I said, the Suns made a lot of big moves. I kind of wanted you to elaborate on a few of them because I'm always this is a this is a great uh, topic for your rants. So I wanted to get it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. So, I I mean, honestly, I have strong feelings about the entire NBA. I could go through every almost every trade that happened. But, um, yeah, no. So, I mean, I feel like the first team we kind of have to address actually isn't entirely my Suns. I think it's the team they traded with, which is the Nuts. Obviously, they had a very, very busy trade deadline. Now, what I think makes this whole thing so interesting is I don't know why the Nets – look, Kevin Durant actually, contrary to belief, because, you know, I follow every Suns reporter, so I'm looking at every inside source, every inside story, et cetera, to find out about everything that went down. And Kevin Durant was actually a very loyal guy. He wanted to stick through all this stuff. 
He wanted to see everything out. When Harden left, he didn't demand the trade. It was Kyrie originally. Even though Kyrie had all the drama, you know, with his injuries, the vaccine, some of the stuff he was posting on his social media that was considered anti-Semitic, whatever, all that stuff. He was still trying to stick out through all of that. And Kevin Durant, so that, but what makes it interesting is the reason I can tell that they really trust Kevin Durant and feel that he's loyal to the Nets was the trade that they made for Kyrie Irving, which to me, I didn't understand. I don't care how much you love Kevin Durant and find him loyal. The reality is, no matter what you try to convince the guy, that team was never going to be able to contend without Kyrie Irving because you were never going to get a star back for a, a disgruntled player who has a bunch of drama, whose contract you're, expired. You're hating on the guy that didn't play a single game last year for the Nets? Is that who you're hating on? Correct. <laughs> so, uh, well, actually, no, not Ben Simmons. That's a whole other problem. But um, so basically, the, the reason why what I struggled with the Nets was trading for Kyrie Irving the way or trading away Kyrie Irving the way they did because honestly, now I'm kind of happy he didn't go to the Lakers because I can't stand Lakers fans, so I'm kind of praying on their downfall. The fact that they didn't get oh, Kyrie. Okay. I mean, I don't like the math, so I'm not exactly thrilled about that either. But if you think about it from a logical perspective, that trade made more sense because the reason I think they traded – well, actually, they said this. The reason they made the Kyrie Irving trade the way they did was they were trying to do the best win-now move to build around Durant. And they got quality pieces. Dorian Finney-Smith is a very good long 3, three and D guy. He's a little up there in age, but he's not selfish. He doesn't have an ego. He knows how to play alongside stars. And you get Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a very solid point guard. He's been with the Nets before, so they know how to use him. But again, that trade makes sense if you keep KD. And I'll be honest, I had been tweeting because I have some inside sources with the Suns that I – not like on the Suns, but that are connected to the Suns that I stay in touch with throughout the year. And they had been preaching since May that Kevin Durant would be a son at some point. Now, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be in the offseason. I really did. I was hammering it to my friends. You can go through my whole Twitter feed for anyone who follows me. I have so much Katie to the Sun stuff, and I actually retweeted some of my old tweets. But then, yeah, I said it would end up happening five days, actually, before the Kevin Durant trade to the Suns happened. I said it was a done deal off of just pure, like, what I had been told and believed. And so, yeah, it did happen. I'll be honest, it was a hard trade to accept. I love KD. I think we're the favorites. I pretty much think it's the season's already been determined, but obviously we have to watch it play out. Injuries can happen. Anything can happen. The refs don't like Chris Paul. You know, Scott Foster's defeated him in every single playoff game, so you never know. Maybe they get Scott Foster to officiate a key game and they lose. But the reason it was tough for me is I love Mikhail Bridges. I really yeah. do. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was reported that they got offered four first-round picks the Nets did after they got Mikhail Bridges. They were offered four first-round picks for him, which is crazy. But I actually personally see it. If OG and Obi's worth three, Mikhail Bridges is more efficient. He's a better shooter. He stays well, way yeah. healthier. He's a better defender, in my opinion. So I can kind of see it. But that's what honestly made it tough for me with the Suns trade, was it was really hard for me to have to see them lose Mikhail. I mean, I love Cam Johnson, too. That certainly wasn't easy by any means. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I still love the trade. I think we're the clear-cut favorites. Jay Crowder had to go, apparently, which, again, I saw from inside sources that I'd been messaging with. Now, actually, what it held up the trade was, so the Suns didn't want to trade Mikhail Bridges over the summer. Then they added that. And then right as the trade was going to be agreed on, the Nets were like, never mind. We also want Jay Crowder. And obviously, they didn't want to keep him, but they wanted to flip him. And so yeah. then that's why it ended up, obviously, um, what's it called, staying. And then they got that through. And then your Bucks brought him up. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a bit surprised that the Bucks gave up yeah. as much as they did. That yeah. really shocked me, to be honest with you. Five se- I don't know why five second-round picks became a thing, because then right after that, you know, the Gary Payton trade. Sadiq Bay, five second round picks is just like the new thing, I guess, in the NBA. But that also surprised me. I think that's a lot to give up for Jay Crowder. He's an old guy, hasn't played in a while. There's not many teams that would want him. He can't really do much for you. He's a good defender. He's good at starting fights. And when his three's <laughs> on, he's very serviceable. And when his three's off, he's useless. He does talk a lot of crap to LeBron, but they're not going to see LeBron in the playoffs. I, I don't know. I didn't love it. Definitely some trades I liked, though, and didn't like throughout the league. Um, yeah, I'm curious also, though, what you think about it. I mean, I'm, I will say, 
for Howard out there. And since I am from Chicago, I do want to talk about my Bulls for a second. Very disappointed and surprised that they didn't make any moves. Um, yeah, I I'm thought, happy that Jim brought that up. I, I am stunned that they didn't make a single move. I thought now the were... problem is they're in a situation where I can't tell if they want to rebuild yeah. or if they want to retool because they didn't make any moves that hint towards either way. Like why they wouldn't trade Kobe White when his value's at its highest and they might not bring him back is beyond me. They want Russell Westbrook. Apparently, I don't really get it. I don't think he does anything for you. Um, I don't know. There were definitely a lot of puzzling moves that happened as well. I thought the Clippers had a very good deadline. Um, I thought the Nuggets had some underrated moves as yeah. well, like bringing in Thomas Bryant. Uh, Celtics. The Raptors also surprised me. I thought they were going to clear house. And next thing you know, they're training for Jakob Bertel and bringing him back to try to keep yeah. the team together. It was a very exciting – one of the most exciting and interesting deadlines I personally have ever won. Obviously, I have a little bit of bias. And then obviously the bio market's been crazy. I love that the Suns got Terrence Ross though. Yeah, look, two things is one. I thought the Bulls were gonna flip Zach Levine for sure. Because oh yeah, I saw that. They've too. been they've been talking so much. He's I don't know if he's been talking so much crap or what's been going on, but they needed they need to do they needed to do something. Like I said, Levine's getting closer and closer to the end of his contract. I thought they're just gonna flip him for something for draft picks or something on a rebuild. You know, keep like young guys like Kobe White or something like that. And flip a guy like Zach Levine, I thought would have been really good for that. But you know, it just, it just like I said, you know, I mean, I'm from Chicago too, but I never watched basketball until I went to college in Wisconsin. So I basically became a Bucks fan by trade. But you know, it's 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 disappointing. I mean, it's just Chicago. It's just Chicago teams. That's the way they do it. Is they don't flip anything. They don't ever trade. They never do anything. Well, the Bears got rid of everything, though. <laughs> well, they needed to. They suck. Yeah. <laughs> they technically they, they still suck. But, um, like I said, hopefully they flip that first round pick or first overall pick for something good. But again, I I really don't mind Jay Crowder. Like he's, I would have liked someone a little better, and especially like you said for what they gave up. But they need another big man. Brooke Lopez, like he's a good he's a good player, but he doesn't do anything for that team. He just doesn't I don't know if he doesn't gel well with the team anymore, or he's just getting old. He can't hit he can't splash mountain it anymore. It doesn't help which, that he's not mobile at all. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Whether yeah. so, you know, he he does what I used to do in basketball. He'll sit in the corner and just wait for a pop out to shoot a corner three and make two out of seven that he shoots. But I mean, they need another big man, and Jay Crowder could definitely fill that hole for them. It's just a matter of how well Jay Crowder meshes with the team and how well he plays. Because I mean, Jay Crowder, like I said, Jay Crowder's that guy where he's going to want the ball, but Giannis is that playmaker that needs that ball in the post, and he's the guy that they need to put the ball, the hand, the ball into his hands to be able to make those types of plays. Which George Hill, fuck him, he sucks. He was good for us the awful. first run. He's absolutely awful. I'm so glad they got rid of him. Granted, for you know, for what, for what, but it's, I'm so glad they got rid of him. Cash considerations, I think. <laughs> so he's that's what he's worth. So um, cash considerations is an underrated talent, though. He is, he's not old, and he doesn't cost you four billion dollars to do nothing. That's true. I mean, I see a lot of people <laughs> going for him, and they they should. They deserve it, but. You know, like I said, I'm just waiting to see how Jay Crowder meshes with the team. But if he actually plays well in Milwaukee, that could be something. I do want to hit on an underrated move, by the way. I want to know. I want to know, Patrick, what you think, Um, because I actually really like the Josh Hart move for the Knicks. And I'm curious what Patrick wants to say about it. Because I think my friends who New York Knicks fans were very happy about it. I like it. You know, everybody thought they gave up a lot, but you know, in these deadlines, you know, you know, you got to give up a lot to get a 
a solid player, and he's a solid player. He's going to come off the bench. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud defender, and he's going to put up. He put up twenty seven. He put up twenty seven points in his uh, second game with the Knicks. So he, he's he's good. Uh, we got the no. We got the Villanova twins, uh, Jalen Brunson and uh, Josh Hart. I like you it. Mikhail. Oh, yeah, gosh, yeah. They, well, yeah, Mikhail's going to require a lot more to be traded over there. I'll tell you that much. I also thought what was interesting was what went down. Like, I don't know if you guys saw like the whole like crazy thing that went down. It seems more like an NFL type thing, like the Dolphins with Tua. But um, with the four team trade that was supposed to ended up happening, like with the Warriors, Hawks, Blazers, and Pistons. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Gary Payton Jr. had like a really, really bad injury. I think it was like to the ribs or something. And the Blazers basically just gave him shots and were just like, say you're fine, toughen it up and play through it until the deadline so we can trade you to where you want to go. And then, like, the Warriors were just told nothing. Like, literally nothing. Yeah. And then when their medical team looked at it, they were like, he might need surgery that would put him out for the season. Now, they went through with it, but I'm just, like, kind of stunned that a team could – I mean, again, I know that, like, in the NFL it happens, but that's not even with a trade. That's just internally trying to say that Tua having a concussion that's, like, one of the worst you've ever seen was just, like, a sore back. That's a whole other story. But, um, yeah, yeah, I was kind of stunned that they just, like – casually tried to get away with that and i i'm really i mean i guess we have to wait till the off season because that's when they would do this but i'm honestly surprised the league didn't like fine or take away a draft pick or something from portland because that's really messed up to tell a player like hey i know you're suffering from a really bad injury but like we're gonna tr- give you shots and you're just gonna say you're fine and play through it like i feel like there has to be some sort of and they still suck morals yeah <laughs> It's that's the worst part is when you know you do that type of stuff and then you still suck. Yeah, yeah. It still, it still hasn't worked. They still, they're still. Uh, Dave me and Lillard is ruining his career by trying to be the loyal guy because they can't put anyone around them. They no. just got rid of McCollum to set up what to get Jeremy Grant. <laughs> well, it didn't work. Well, well, I mean, no. this, I, I just want to say one last thing about the Suns, and then I promise we can move on. But I just, I feel like their team is just going to be. Also, I just want to hit on Jay Crowder real quick. I think he's a good fit though because he wants the ball. But he only really wants – he's kind of like a P.J. Tucker, but just like a little more yeah. versatile where he really just like – that's all he has to be for you guys. It's just yeah. like a slightly more efficient P.J. Tucker from three. He just kind of needs to stand around and catch open threes when Giannis gets like trapped in the paint. Um, but, yeah, for the Suns, I think what makes it so interesting is like Chris Paul just now – or last night had 19 assists. So, like, he's still got it. Devin Booker finally looked healthy. Like, he was able to go get up and throw down a nice dunk, which is good to see because, you know, with a groin injury, it's hard to be explosive. Yep. What I just think is interesting is, like, DeAndre Ayton looks motivated again. If anybody follows me on Twitter here, I highly recommend it if you want to laugh a lot. I get really angry and rant a lot, just like I do here. But I'm not a DeAndre Ayton guy. I think he's overpaid and low effort. Um, But all of a sudden, now that KD's here, he wants to try a little, which is nice to see. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Devin – but what's so interesting to me is you have Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Kevin Redd, who are three of the best mid-range shooters of all time. So our three-point shooters are just going to be wide open the whole game. But what also is going to be interesting is in the league nowadays where it's all just layup stunks and threes, we're probably going to end up being the most mid-range shooting team in NBA history. Like, we have three guys who only take mid-range shots on our team. So I just think the Suns are a matchup nightmare. People say that we've lost all our defense because Mikhail Bridges. Kevin Durant is a good defender. Devin Booker is a serviceable defender. Chris Paul is a good defender. DeAndre Ayton's a lazy piece of crap, but sometimes he plays say. defense. Tory Craig or Josh Okogi, whoever our fifth guy is, is a great defender. Uh, again, DeAndre Ayton, I hate him. He's the softest big man ever. So I legitimately think at 5'9", 150 pounds, I could go beat him up. Like, I think if I saw him in a dark alley, he's in trouble. And I don't even know what I'm doing, but the guy's just so soft. He's lazy, has no motor. But, yep. uh, no, I trust him. Hey, like I said, I mean, you know, for me and you both, you know, you hope something benefits from I both of our trades. I'm on smoke. I want the Bucks again. I want him in four. Yeah, 
but I'm you right. know, I'll, I'll I, see I you there. I, Patrick's not scared because the Knicks are honestly. I've never been he's looking for a playoff appearance, but I know everybody knows that the Suns are going to be a problem. They're going to win the championship. I've never I, been I less. I've never been less scared of Kevin Durant than I am right now. Let's just really? say that. I'm surprised. He's never had this much talent around him since his Golden State days, and at that point, it was over. Hmm. Never had this much talent. Did he have James Harden? James and, Harden. Uh, and what's his oh, name? James Harden wasn't what he is yet, and Russell Westbrook is a walking brick who happens to be able to have nice dunks. Well, he was on the Nets I'm as not well. Kyrie Irving. Okay, the Nets, it was just – but it's just Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving for how many games? And when you had James Harden for how many games? And think about well, it. He, he, still if Kevin Durant had talent. Kevin you said talent. I'm just trying yeah, to, you know. Like actual, I mean, like, actual playable good fits around himself. And the other thing is, like, if you look at Kevin Durant, right, when he played Milwaukee, if he was a slightly smaller shoe size, that team is done. And he oh. has so much more talent around him now. So I think that Milwaukee team is shivering in their timbers if they see them. I think that Nets team, I think that Celtics team is shivering. And quite frankly, in the West, I hate to mimic John Moran because I think he's so cocky, but I'm not I, I'm not scared of the West or whatever. So I, I'm fine in the West. That's what I said. I'm fine in the West. I am. No team in the West scares me to be honest with you. What, the Nuggets, the team we swept? You're telling me we had Kevin Durant and they get Jamal Murray and I'm supposed to be scared? Oh, no. They might lose one of their games by single digits now instead of all blowouts. I'm not scared of a single team in the West. Not one. I I, I would be concerned if we win a series in less than five games against any team in the West. <laughs> it is going to be a cakewalk. As long, uh, Granted, we have to be healthy. If we're healthy, it's a cakewalk. That's, all I see. That's why I need to go to a jewelry shop and get my ring size figured out. <laughs> I'll see you there, my friend. But Oh, yeah, you can come home and look at it. I, I want your input since the Bucks already got this. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'll take it for what it is. But all right. Enough jibber jabber. Let's go on to what people actually want to hear. They don't want to hear us just completely rant off like our ass. Oh, I'm sure I know they Vail do. Likes me. I know Vale likes me. Yeah, everyone loves listening to you rant until we have to actually go on to something. But let's go on to our um. Let's go on to our horse racing segment because this I'm yes. actually extremely interested in. This is a very very interesting sequence. Very difficult. Very difficult for me. Yeah. With everything going on at Goldstream, obviously the massive day is at Fairgrounds that Howard and his team are covering tomorrow, which is Louisiana Derby preview day with the Risen Star Stakes and some massive other stakes races. They're covering an all stakes pick five, I believe, tomorrow. So if you're interested, please go check that out. But as of right now, the boys, we're going to switch over to Goldstream Park where that uh, like I said, a, a really nice filly who raced last year in the Oaks, and I believe was like the second or third choice in the Oaks, because Secret Oath was fourth choice and she won. Uh, Kathleen O. So it should be really interesting. But like I said, we're gonna go to it right now. I'm gonna bring up our picks. Race nine is what starts the late pick four sequences on Benton and Booze, and we covered pick fours. And Patrick and I are have the exact same horses. Charlie just has the two. Instead of the nine, this is a allowance optional claiming for thirty five thousand, which the the um the morning lines are not out yet as we are still three days, four days out. But um I would assume that the morning line favorite is going to be the number eight Venezuelan triumph for Irad Ortiz and Victor Barbosa Jr. As I bring up the PPs right now, guys. Patrick, I'm gonna let you go first. You have the number four cashier check on top for Edgar Zayas and also for Victor Barbosa Jr. Yeah, uh, Victor Barbosa Jr. has had a solid, solid uh, year as a trainer. Uh, this horse, you know, last time out in a stake, uh, 70K stake, you know, not a big, big stake, but was the favorite in that race. Just didn't just didn't really show up. This didn't really fire. Now, I was trying to pinpoint why. You know, I couldn't really tell. The fractions weren't all that quick. You know, 
maybe the horse didn't have a chance to catch up on the pace, but I don't know exactly what it was, but this horse was trending in the right direction. I mean, you look three back, 84 buyer, and then two back, 88 buyer. Like this horse was running solid. Now the horse didn't win in both those races, but those were higher level races than this. So the horse is dropping down a little bit. And I, I think this horse fits in right in there with them. And, you know, I'm going for a price, you know, to start off. I'll have the eight on my ticket, but I, I, I'm going for a price. Yeah. And like I said, I think this horse might be somewhere. I, I even think this horse might be second choice. Honestly, I think yeah. this horse might be second choice behind the number eight. Um, and then probably the third choice would be probably our nine, which we'll get to in a second. But um, look, this horse has done nothing wrong in its last, granted dropped 10 points, but these last few races on the Tapita, have been really good granted look like this is my concern though is these ice cold fractions Mm -hmm. for 31 early 49 those are ridiculously slow i don't know if he's going to be able to get that here which is why i actually went with the eight on top i think the eight might just get a better trip but this horse has you know top of the top speed figure buyer speed figures in this race so there's no reason why this horse definitely won't be in the mix for sure charlie me and you both have the number eight and first i'm gonna let you talk first before i give my two cents what do you like about venezuelan triumph yeah so obviously you know it's very easy to start with the fact that i read ortiz is on it that always gets you excited you know i read has been on a roll i know there was a day where like i know luis is also one of these days but there was a day where like i read we were talking about it in our group chat where, like he almost won every single race like it was just ridiculous yeah. but so he's obviously him and then yeah i just I, I love the figures on the horse the consistency's been there and also, I just I like its I like its running style, and it's been fairly consistent with it in its last two races, particularly. Now I know its last race was the first one off a big layoff, but it had a good run. I like that it kind of set off the pace a little bit, and then had a strong finish. Um, obviously, you can see in the comments that it was in a little bit tight, and so I think obviously if maybe it didn't get it obstructed at all and could have had a perfectly or like a more clean trip, it could have gotten the job done. But again, I think Irad as the jockey now is definitely a plus for it to step forward even more. It was its first race off the layoff, so I think in the second race it'll take another step forward. Um, and yeah, again, I mean, like it had a, uh, it had a really solid workout when it ran. Uh, which one? So I, I don't remember which workout time I had to be honest, but it's been working fine. Again, I like that Irad's in it. I like the style. I just think again, like you were kind of mentioned with the four two. I saw that the pace didn't look anything crazy, so I just feel like he could end up sitting off behind the four and a few others, and then just make a move late. And I think the four though has been consistent enough to be right behind it. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I ended up with the eight on top. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Look, this is this last race, this showing up stakes. It's a completely open company, a listed stake for 70K at Goldstream. Granted, it was back on, actually, it was on Breeders' Cup. Excuse me, geez. It's back on Breeders' Cup Saturday, which is November 5th. So it is coming off a little bit of a layoff, but they went super slow. Like, look at this first quarter. This first quarter is 25 seconds flat. And he's sitting back in sixth and seventh and only loses by three quarters of a length to a horse in Night Jumper who was on the. Uh, close to the pace last time 83 buyer doesn't scare me i th- any one of these five buyers can easily win this race in my opinion which this horse just seems to stay consistently at that 80 to 86 buyer on the tapita at about a mile mile and 16th so that i really i really like that this short horse shows consistency i really like that it's stay like i said it's showing consistency but it's going to get a really nice trip i don't think you're going to see these absolutely like glacial fractions in this race i think you have horses like i believe it's the the six might go the five might go the four is going to be close the two is going to be close the nine i don't think so i think the nine is going to be yeah i guess so when it hasn't gotten it back 
when it's gotten far back, it has, it has been pretty fast. So there's a lot of horses that can show some speed. I think this horse, like I said, even shows that it can close into glacial fractions. That's where I'm going. Like I said, I read is an, I love Miguel Vasquez at Gulfstream, but in this type of meet, I mean, Irad is obviously a massive bump up as well. So I know this horse is going to get a good, good trip under Irad. It's not that short to the first turn. It it's about it's past it's just before the finish line, so they have a decent run up. So I'm not too worried about the out wide post. I think that this horse could get a really good trip. And uh, Charlie, I'm gonna let you talk about the two, and then Patrick will let you round out with the nine on this race. Yeah, the two honestly really excites me. I mean, I know it had Irad, and obviously it doesn't. But again, to me, that's always a good sign. Any horse that's had Irad in the past, usually Irad saw something in it. But what I honestly like about the horse is obviously if you look at the past, it had been running a lot five furlongs, five and a half, and it just wasn't really responding. It wasn't getting the job done. It would kind of sit off there and then just like not really move, to be honest. It wouldn't really respond. It wouldn't fade or anything. It just would kind of sit off there and then not do anything. But then you look. They tried it at a mile on the turf, and it looked decent. And then they went back to the all-weather slash thing, like just like the dirt surface of any kind, which seems more like it suits this horse and kept the distance. So they finally, you know, put two and two together, like, hey, this horse is better on the dirt and better at distance. Let's try both. And ends up having the best race of its career. So I just think it could step forward again. Again, I feel like it just hasn't gotten the chance to have enough experience running at this kind of race that suits it well. I think it's another one that could sit just off those leaders. I think the two and the eight could kind of sit right together, right off those leaders, and then make a move. And that's why I had to include the two on my ticket and had to include in my top three, is I just think if you have that big start at the front where you don't really know who's going to be there, I kind of think just from what I've been learning through Gulfstream is it's not as similar to Arlington where it's as easy for closers to get there late with the way the stretches, but it is a good type of track for stalkers that sit right behind. So I just think the eight and two could both very well get good trips. And I just think the four could be the one that sits at the front and those two end up passing it late. Yeah. And this is the bit, this is the big thing. I'm going to put up Matt Miller's comment because he said it first is I call it the speedway at Gulfstream. This Tapita course, especially in those sprints, it's a little bit less um, noticeable at route distances, especially ones of big quality i mean the quality i say it's eighty six thousand dollar purse but it is optional claiming like it's it tends to be a speedway where horses that get out to the lead and stay on the front i just i think the four might be just the best i mean granted the problem is is these fractions are so slow that i don't know if this horse is going to be fast enough to get to the lead by himself that's the only thing that scares me in this race is that tendency for the Tapita to be a speedway. But I, I trust Irad that he's going to put this horse into a good spot and he's going to recognize if they're going slow and hopefully he can bring that horse up. But like I said, it just comes down to the fact that the eight and the four for me have just run so much better races than everybody else in terms of number wise, except the nine, but we'll get to that right before we go on to the next race. It just, I just don't, I, Someone would have to great, greatly improve to win this race, and that's just the way I see it. Um, but I do want to shout out a new viewer that I haven't seen before. Edward, thanks so much for joining the show. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I had that. I, I took the picture because I, for I'm a sicko, and I take pictures of really, really close photos that I lose, and I keep them in a camera roll so that I can look back at them and see how close I was, close I could have been. But and that starts all the way back from the Arlington days when I used to watch every single race uh, every single week. But it's I completely hear you, man. It's an absolutely brutal game. And I feel that pain for sure. Patrick, finish this conversation off with a nine. What do you like about Aliyub Johnny? 
Yeah, I think this horse is versatile. I mean, you look at some of the horse's races, you know, on the lead, the horses run pr- fairly strong going longer distances too. So, you know, I think this horse could be right there in the thick of things. And, you know, like Matt said, if this horse wants to go to the lead and he can get the lead, uh, why not this horse taking them wire to wire? Yeah, I mean, look, if this horse can clear from the outside post, this horse has back numbers to where he's running really fast paces out of the gate. And, I mean, like this allowance race back here at 89 went straight to the lead. I know, Pat, I got to bring it up because Patrick has a sore spot for that one. Gosh. Um, I mean, granted, this was claiming 2016, but it's got out to the front with Saez at seven and a half. I mean, this horse can definitely, if he clears from the outside post, this could be – uh, this gun could be definitely scary for sure. And this is the one where if I had a bigger, but if I gave myself a bigger budget on this show, granted, I am the host, but um, I would have put this one in my ticket as well. This is the one that I let, this was my one that I left out. So, and Vale place to answer your question. Yes, I do. It seems like it a lot. Um, like I said, I have, I think it's up to like 25, 30 pictures of ones that literally like this off and I've lost all of them. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, yes, I completely agree with you. So, guys, let's go on to the next race here. I'm going to put up our picks going into race 10. And Patrick and I actually have the same top pick, but Charlie is going with the number four, which means you're going to tell us why we're wrong and you're our 100% right, which that's a drink for everyone out there, 100%. I didn't even realize I said that. And you're going with definitely a horse that's going to be a price. It is Brit's Candyman for William Theranos and Emma Wilson. Yeah, I'm not going a little concerning to see that uh, you guys don't even have him at the top three. Um, but, yeah, no, the four <laughs> horse excites me, honestly. Um, you know, we're going five furlongs, so it is a shorter race. And as you had kind of mentioned, it's important to get out to the front. Um, and, again, for me, it's just one of those where – Again, I know he might not necessarily be right on the front, but I like the consistency with the speed figures as of late. Um, you know, the November race was good to see, and it has shown, granted, it was a long time ago, but the horse has shown how fast, just how fast it can be. And, you know, January was its first race back off of, like, so, like, I don't know, it was kind of weird with what they've done with the horse. You know, it was off for a while, bring it back in November off a win, then they hold it out for a while, and then it comes back in January. But I just think, you know, second start, had a really good workout on February 11th with the 48 flat. Luis Saez was on him. I know he doesn't have him this time around. Yeah, I just liked what I'd seen from the horse. And I just, I think this is a race that could suit the horse well. It likes the distance. Um, And I just think it could be right up there with the pace. And I I do believe that this horse can get there for the win. And yeah, I don't know. I kind of thought this race was like somewhat wide open. Like for me, there was no clear dominant horse. And this one excited me. And I kind of had a feeling I might be able to get a better price. And when it is a race where it's not the most expensive, it's not the highest quality horses and not super confident. I'd rather try to take a chance in one of those races than, like, assume there has to be some dominant horse. Yeah, look, this is a race. You'll see it on my ticket later. I have two races where I'm really skinny and two races that I have absolutely no goddamn idea what the hell is going to go ha- happen. And this is one of those races. Patrick, I'll let you talk about it. I ended up coming up with this horse on top for a trainer that wins 14% in 2022 and still hasn't won a race yet at this meet. It's exchange day for Marcial Navarro and Miguel Vasquez. Yeah. Um, turf sprints. You never know. Uh, you know, my one angle here with this horse is this trainer, you know, has had a rough meet, but his numbers from synthetic to turf are as solid as they come. And even on the turf is solid. And I think this is where we might get, uh, this trainer might get off the schneid here and, uh, win this race. It's just such a wide open field. Like I, 
I think this horse could just wire them. You know, I just there's so much that could go wrong though that concerns me. But you know, I'll back them up with the five that we both have underneath uh, with Irad Ortiz. Um, this horse is solid. You know, it's been at Woodbine for most of the winter. Came over to Gulfstream and uh, ran on the Tapita. And I think the you know their idea was this horse. I don't know. The horse is not a big fan of the Tapita, and so they'll try it with the with the uh, going on the turf. Yeah, and I'll touch on the five in a second. Just to give my two cents here. Look, this, I mean, I'm not saying, I wanted to go with a bit of prices because, like I said, anything in this race can happen, especially in these turf sprints. I really didn't want horses to the outside. As we all know, it is extremely hard to win from the outside posts at Goldstream in these sprints. This horse has run really consider like really considerably nice races with Kevin Krieger aboard. Miguel Vasquez, I think, is an upgrade from him. And just being able to get that stalking position in these turf sprints is, an ex- is a really, really good factor. And as long as he has room at the top of the stretch, I think this horse can be dangerous. And touch on a little bit of what you had with the five with Irad. It's just this horse really, it just does not excite me. These numbers here, like, you know, it's had a few. It had an 87 here. But and a 79 but there's really no other race in this pp in these pps to suggest that this horse deserves to probably what's going to be the favorite on saturday at you know maybe two to one five to two because it's wide open but there's just nothing that jumps out on the page to me that this horse deserves to be what its odds are going to be on uh saturday which it could this horse could definitely win but um with a lot of stuff that needs to go right in for the horse to improve off its last two I, I'm not going to play it, especially, like I said, at what it's going to be. Charlie, I'm going to let you touch on the one here that you have in third. And then, actually, Patrick has it as well. And I'll let Patrick talk, and then we'll go on to the next race. Love and making sense for David Fisher and Chantal. Yeah, so to be honest with me, even as wide open as I think this is for me, I kind of got down to the four and three. I was kind of flipping, so at least I feel good that I have the three in my top two on my tickets since you guys seem to love them. Uh, but, you yeah, know, for the one, I just, again, the, the figures have honestly been solid. You look at its form in its last two races, even with some hot figures, the horse still was able to hold up and, and finish in front, which obviously matters to me. And, again, for a, a race that's as wide open as it is, just trying to find a horse that seems like the distance, that seems this, that like it can handle the pace and get up there, I just think this could be a sneaky horse that could be, and, again, another one that could be at a decent price. Um, that, again, for as wide open as the field as it is, just was, for me, one that I wanted to include. Uh, and then, yeah, I feel sorry about it. I, w- I wish I could have seen the workouts, um, and I don't really know much about the trainer, to be honest with you, uh, or the jockey. But, yeah, I just I like what I've been seeing from the horse recently, uh, and it just felt like one I had to throw in there. Yeah, look, like I said, there's so many horses, in my opinion, that can come close to win this race. Like I said, I had the eight in third. Look, there's not a whole lot of thinking that goes in here. These two races, if it's improving off of these two, can definitely come in and win. Uh, street Out of the street sense, Mayor that has taken to the turf before it has numbers. I I don't know, man. Like I said, there's so many different ways you can go in this race. I'm, I think I'm five deep in this race, five or six deep on my ticket as we'll go into later. But that's just, like I said, I wanted to throw a little bit of a price in there to hopefully get a good trip and get home with Ralph Nixon, Edgar Zayas guys. Race 11 is the big one for, um for Saturday. It is, as I bring up the PPs here, there's a big name in here. And as I show you guys, you guys should already know what it is based on the massive thumbnail that I made. But it is Kathleen O for Suge and Castellano. Like I said, this horse is, wasn't seen since the Oaks 
Wilson the Comley at Aqueduct ran a ran a decent second to 63 caliber, especially after that long of a layoff. Gets a little bit again of a break, but comes back. I'm going with the horse on top as I bring it on. Everyone but me and Charlie both have this horse on top. Patrick is going to be the lone man out, and I have some gripes with the five, which I'll get on get into as well. But again, we don't need to talk too much about Kathleen O. She's the standout of the race. She's the classiest of the race. And by all means, as long as she gets a good trip and some pace to run into, this horse can definitely win and will definitely be live on Saturday for Suge, especially with these workouts on the bottom. But Patrick, you are going to tell us why we are completely wrong with the massive favorite is the number five classy edition who Matt Miller is on your side with classy edition. Patrick, tell us why me and Charlie are wrong. Yeah, I mean, li- listen, we all know what Kathleen O is and, you know, can be. Uh, you know, we just look at that Kentucky Oaks trail and the domination. But sh- she has to prove it to me again. I mean, she hasn't. You know, you look at the Kentucky Oaks. She threw up a dud as the favorite. You you look at uh, the race at Aqueduct, the great three. You know, she sits off the pace on fractions that were not all that uh, crazy and just, you know, makes up ground. But you know, beat somebody that's doesn't, you know, doesn't get me going. I look at uh classy edition now. I mean, this horse has improved at every level she she's gone at and is just, you know, I think at the top of her class. And I think this is her time to shine. And, you know, I ride on board. I think this horse at Gulfstream, this horse is going to be rocking and rolling, ready to go and should pull off the upset. Like it said, so for me with classy edition, this is my gripe is this horse runs 82 76 81 81 in its high season which was the lead up to um the kentucky oaks last year gets fourth in the gazelle besides nostalgic nostalgic venti valentine and shotgun hottie gets completely off until this january where she comes back in an optional 25 absolutely blows by blows the doors off the field and earns a 96 which a 15 point upgrade after after what nine months of being off, I I don't know. Like this is going to be one but of I'm those not. horses. No, no, you're. I like I said, I completely get what you're saying. This is one of these for me that, especially like I said, getting those massive buyer jumps off the layoff. This is just going to be one that's going to have to prove it to me again. And there's no reason saying why this horse cannot be there and cannot get the right trip and win. As like I said when I was talking about Kathleen O. This horse is going to need to have the right setup. As Patrick, you touched on, you know, this horse always shows her best, but ne- can never necessarily get there. I, like I said, this is just going to be one of those horses that's going to have to show me, show it to me again. Okay, fair. Yeah, that's fair. I just the one thing, you know, Classy Edition had that long layoff. I, you know, as the trainer, and I think Pletcher did it good. Yep. You don't throw this horse into a stakes race. You ease the horse back in, and that's what he did. This horse, you know, threw a bomb, and you know. Pletcher's like, okay, here we go. You know, let's, and then now, now you throw in with the wolves and see what she can do. No, I mean, look, there's nothing, and especially the big thing is, and I actually just saw in the chat what I was going to talk, they took the words right out of my mouth was, you know, Pletcher could have just given her the time off to mature. And now that she's come back as a four year old, she runs a massive 96. And if she gets the same setup as well, this horse can, de- like I said, this horse is live because there's not a whole lot of massive speed in this race. I think there's one other ones, which I believe is to her inside yeah here with the four jungle juice this horse has got definitely going there's no doubt about it classy edition jungle juice (laughs) yeah to throw back to the college days of jungle juice jesus christ but you know this horse just sits off and wins i mean there's there's definitely 
a way that this horse can win. I'm just betting on Kathleen O's just better. But again, there's no saying that Classy Edition can't win. Charlie, I'm going to let you touch on the seven real quick. Tap Dance Fever for Gerald Bennett and I think Jacob Ferrer. I actually don't even know completely. Jose, Jose. Jose Ferrer. Thank you. I'm getting it. I don't even know where that came from, to be honest. But again, for Bennett and Ferrer, what do you like about this one? Yeah, so first up for this race, I feel the same way. You know, I wanted to – I mean, I, I messaged you separately about this because I made a mistake. But, uh, you know, I wanted to single the two. I thought it was really the first time I ever single horse. But, honestly, I'm happy, honestly, even more so listening to what Patrick has to say when I've seen the comments, you know, from or chat from Matt and Howard. I thought the five is really the only other horse that could beat the two. I feel like it's a race where yep. if it's able to stay ahead in time. And since – not that this is a short race, but for Kathleen O, it is a shorter race. So just in the chance where maybe it's not enough distance and it can't close quick enough, I think it could end up being a scenario where the two finishes second behind the five. That's why, for me, it's a two-horse race. However, I do think the seven is an interesting wild card where this horse will probably sit right behind the five. Again, it'll be the horse that's in the stalker position. And honestly, if you get rid of its last two races, this horse really does nothing for me. But then it came back off a yep. huge layoff, had a good first race. And then, you know, after you have that first race, usually that's where you can try to step forward. And if you look, took a, 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 a fairly bigger step up in class after that first race and looked good again and had a better speed figure and what was a hot pace that it sat off of and then was able to get to the lead. So, I mean, I know obviously it's not a tap anymore. It is switching to Gulfstream. But, uh, yeah, I just think the seven's an interesting wild card. I don't think it can win this race, but I do think depending on the price you can get on it, it could be an interesting course to put under in your exactas and trifectas. Yeah, and look, that's definitely the way to play this horse, in my opinion. I think this horse might just be really good at Tampa. I mean, you see all these races at Tampa, 72, 71, 73 as a four-year-old, and then runs a bunch of duds and then comes back to Tampa and just destroys the field entirely. Tampa's a really deep racetrack, and some horses take to that a lot more well than others. But look, this horse is definitely, I agree with Charlie that this horse can be one of those that you round out your exotics with. And Patrick, any quick things to talk about Midnight Stroll before we move on? Yeah, I mean, this horse, you know, I don't think this horse really has a good chance of winning, you know, but she's run, you know, in some pretty big races. I mean, four back, the Black Eyed Susan was no, was, you know, was a nobody in that race, but, you know, still ran in it. Uh, and then, you know, Del Mar Oaks and, you know, Charlestown Oaks. So these are all big races and, yep. you know, won the Del Mar Oaks. So, I mean, you, know, you got to give the horse yeah. a little bit of credit where credit's due. And, you know, the horse yes. I think the horse got a shot, but the horse is also stretching back out in distance. True. So we'll see. Uh, but, uh, t- I don't know, two horse race. Right. Opinion. I agree. And I'll tell you what, it's the Delaware Oaks. It's not, it doesn't get much better than the Delaware Oaks, not the Del Mar Oaks. Thank but you I'll for correcting me because that's a bit of a difference. <laughs> it is a difference, <laughs> but I'll Slight give it difference. to you. Slight difference. But hey, like I said, I'll give it to you. And I, I know I'm getting a lot of hate in the chat for my Kathleen O'Pick and Classy Editions of the Goods. If she's the goods, then I'm wrong for the first um, – well, I was wrong last week. For the first week, time. No, for the first time in a while, but yeah, I was, was wrong say, last let's week Let's hold too. that one. We were both wrong last week. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we didn't talk about – hey, we didn't cover horse racing last weekend, so I can't be wrong if I don't play. Um, but those of you that followed my Twitter picks, you know I was at least half decent, which is better than normal. Um, so let's move on to the last race, guys. We'll touch on it really quick as we are getting to that hour mark. Um. This race, man, uh, all button, all button. I'm not a fan of the all button. Pat, uh, Howard knows that. I'm firmly against the all button. But dude, like, dude, you, can, if someone said the all button, this is one of those races that I would not fault him for. Charlie, I'm gonna let you touch. We're going all the way on the outside in the sprints. It's just a care for George Arnold and Javier Castillo. Oh, I feel even better now. Yeah, I thought this race was a disaster, and I hate betting races like these where it's first time and second time starters. However, the fact that it seems like a disaster, this is always 
I don't know, folks, if I'm going to win my ticket. What I will tell you is anytime it's a race where Patrick and Kyle feel terrible, they don't know who to pick. For some reason, that's the race I'm right about. And I only went too deep in this race. So what I will tell the folks is at least Patrick and Kyle have both learned their lessons from this. At the very least, make sure on your tickets you include the two I picked. Because I always somehow get this race right. But see, yeah, the two excites me. You know, I like Javier Castellano on it. I know it's on the outside. But I do think it could uh, cause some damage in this race. None of the first-time starters really expect, uh, impressed or get me excited with their workout times or anything. This was a fairly expensive horse. It was in an expensive race with the maiden special weight at 90K. Um, you know, I think it'll handle the distance well. I think it can honestly get a decent trip. It just can't struggle too much on that outside. Um, you know, I think the six furlongs was just slightly too long for it. So I think five is definitely short enough to help this horse out. I know 59 is not some impressive figure, but for this field, it somehow is. Um, and yeah, I don't know, the horse just excites me. And again, I think that second race, it could step up and respond off a big layoff. Uh, and yeah, this was just one of the few horses, honestly, that gave me any sort of excitement. So I had to make sure it was at the top of my ticket. Look, I completely get it. I just still two things I don't like is I don't like the layoff and I don't like that it's so far on the outside in a five in a five for long sprint. But the horse, but again, that's what you know, we're you know, we go to the to 10 who has the is going to run into that same issue that we have in second. I have on top, but this race, granted, didn't take any money. 17 to one was what it ended up being. It was a little bit crowded at the top of the stretch. This horse still had a chance to get up for minor placing, was never going to win the race, but I. As long as this horse can navigate from the outside, I think this horse has a shot in a completely wide open race. And Patrick, I'm going to let you talk on touch on the two. And then Charlie, I'm going to let you touch on the three and then we'll move on as we are getting pretty late here. Yeah. So with the two, I mean, this horse ran a 10 buyer. I mean, you could say to me, why, how are you picking this horse? And here's my thing. You know, a lot of first time starters in this race, this horse has had a lot of time uh, on the training track, you know, over ran in the middle of August at Saratoga in, in, you know, a big uh, first-time starter race and, you know, threw up a dud. The horse just didn't run. Um, Swerved out wide in the first turn. And, you know, I will take my chances with Billy Mott on a long layoff, 25% in 180 days. Uh, He's going to cut this horse uh, up in distance. So, you know, I'll take a shot. You know, um, you know, I'm spreading in this race. So this will be my price play. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, I like your point on the 10. Uh, yeah, you know, I sprinkled the seven a little bit, but you know, uh, that's my top three. You know, it's nothing special. The seven's a first time starter for George Weaver. I like the trainer and I'm going to, you know, I'll stick with that. Yeah. And look, like, like I said, the, t- the, the two might've run a tan buyer and it's been off. I think this horse is much better uh, suited from the sprint. You can see this horse has, uh, the horse's dam, excuse me, has really good numbers sprinting on the turf and has a lot more, a lot other breeding numbers that I think this horse could be definitely suited for and Mott is just super good off of massive layoffs, as we as we've seen time and time again. So this horse can definitely be there. I have the three again. It just comes down to if this horse can get a trip. This horse has been working on the turf, working decently on the turf. I wouldn't say good by any means, but decently in a race where you know a sixty buyer might end up being fine in this race. It mm-hmm. might end up winning. So as long as this horse can imp- improve second off this uh, second off this last effort, there's no reason why this horse can't be in the money either. And look again, this horse, this race is just an absolute shit show for lack of a better term. I'm six deep. We'll get into everyone else's right now, but that's just kind of it for you guys where it really comes down to, for me, it's, it's Kathleen or classy edition and whichever way you go, I think you have to single I, for me personally, my betting strategy, 
I think you single one or the other. Because if you keep uh, yeah. both of them in, they're both going to be such short prices that it doesn't make uh, too much sense to be able to put them both in. Granted, you still be alive, but it doubles your bet in a realm where, you know, if a lot of favorites win, end up, you know, getting especially those two in your ticket, it's going to be dropped to play out drastically. So you want to try and press up your opinions. In my opinion, you want to single one of the two. That would be where I play it. But Patrick, I'm going to let you start here. $18 for 50 cents is this pick four ticket. It's four nine with one three five in singling classy edition with one two seven eight ten twelve. And again, that's $18 for 50 cents. Patrick, talk about your ticket. Yeah. So in the first two legs, I wanted to go skinny ish to save uh, because I knew I was going to single in the third leg with classy edition. Um, you know, going too skinny uh, in a race that, you know, is wide open like we talked about. Um, second leg, you know, it's. It's tough, you know. It's a t- yeah. that's a t- that's a tough, tough race. Uh, it's a sprint, and you know, just you never know. And then you know, classy edition. I feel like if I could get the classy edition, I got a good shot at it. And, yeah. But, but you know, you know, I got six horses deep. You know, there's what ten horses in the race. I can guarantee you, one of those four is winning. No, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> gotta think positive. I love I love when your Boston accent comes out. It's great when this four horses. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, look, there's. Again, as long as you can get, like I said, the whole pivotal part of the sequence is Kathleen or Classy Edition for me. And again, as you'll see, I actually ended up going the other way, but for better or for worse. Charlie, talk about your ticket. You're going 248 with 134 with 25 with 1012, and that's 18 for 50. Yeah. So for me, again, I know I went with the 25 in the third race, which yep. kind of makes me like the bad guy because I took the easy way out. I was going to single the two. It's going to be my first time ever singling. And then I realized just how thin my ticket already was. So I realized I might as well cover my bases. I still think people can make money on my ticket, though, because, like, as I touched on earlier, I'm very high on the four in the second race on our ticket, which it'll probably be at a price. I went very shallow in the last race. So I do still think my ticket definitely has potential to make people some solid money. Um, Yeah, I feel like the first two races for me were honestly harder to dissect. So that's why I wanted to stay three deep. Howard, I'm not going to comment on that situation. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, for those two races, I, I had to go three deep. And then third race, obviously, it's only a two-horse race. And then, yeah, the last race, again, you know, whatever it's a race that's impossible where everybody's in the all-ticket or four horses or six horses, I'm the one who goes shallow, and I'm always the one who somehow finds a way that it's there. So as I said to everybody in the chat, please make sure you take care of Hey, at least I, I – oh, wait, I did end up giving a Northwestern tweet. Shoot. I was about to say I didn't tweet about them, but I realized I think I did as well. I'm sorry. I'm very happy right now. There's a lot to smile about. Yeah, there but, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's my ticket. Yep, yep. I, I, I got caught red-handed. And yeah, Mikhail Bridges is my boy. I'm sorry. I talked about it earlier. No, in the show. I couldn't fine. help it. For those of you who don't know, he dropped 45 tonight. He's him. Couldn't be happy for the guy. But yeah, so that's my ticket for those of you uh, who are wondering. That, that's where I landed. I feel I feel good about it. I don't know. It's a tough card, but I like it. I'm happy hey. with my picks. I mean, hey, there's like I said, as long as you know, that's, that's where you can try and get p- – paid with your best opinions you press up a ticket like that absolutely (laughs) but uh my pick four ticket this is where i'm going so i'm going four eight with one three five seven eight that's a lot of horses with two with two three four eight ten twelve and that's thirty dollars for fifty cents look i for me i the nine was the only other one like i said that's the horse i threw out if I were to play a little bit ticket over the budget, I would add the nine in the first leg. So I'd go four, eight, nine. But for me, buyer speed figure wise, especially on the synthetic, those are the two horses that not tower over the field, but definitely 
can be, have the ability to put out that mid eighties buyer, which will be good enough to win that first race. So I'm just going to go two deep in that race. I'm going to go four, eight second race. Who the hell knows? I'm going five deep in that leg. Well, like no, I said, four. Uh, nope. I'm including oh, a bunch of, not including your four, Charlie, <laughs> but I do have a bunch of other horses. I have the one that you guys had. Um, and then I have, who did I, have? I think I had three, the five, three. eight. So I also have yeah. the seven as well in that race, which is, um, Bella Future for Laura, Laura Casares and Edgar Perez. But, and then I'm singling Kathleen O. And look, it's, it's again, as I said, it comes down to either two. And I would say if, if you were to play my ticket, but you don't like Kathleen O, but you love Classy Edition, just switch them out. And that's the interchangeable part of the ticket. Whoever you like better, play them in that spot. Obviously, pl- press up your own opinions. And, but, and again, in the last race, Turf sprints, Howard and I absolutely love turf sprints. It's absolutely the greatest way race in the entirety of the United States. Fuck that. It sucks. I hate it, especially the in the last, especially in the last leg to end a sequence. I'm going six deep. I'm going two, three, four, eight, ten, twelve to close out my ticket. And like I said, as long as I can get my single home, hope I I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna bang on the my desk, which is wood, that hopefully I'll be home free as I was four deep and lost. But guys. That's that's gonna wrap up the show. I greatly appreciate everybody and Charlie. Bill, you okay, lost a fan. I have a new Bill, fan. I'll be honest. Cheers Bill, to I, you. I, I would I would encourage you to add the four on his ticket. Maybe take on one of his other ones. Don't sleep. He's sleeping on my four horse. I wouldn't sleep on it. But uh, no, I don't take it personal. It's all good. Hey, it, no worries, Christine. I, I greatly appreciate it. Right. You did get your that. Super Bowl picks right. Now it's my turn to get a horse racing pick right because you're definitely a sports. I will definitely say you're much better of a sports knowledge guy than I am. But guys, that's going to wrap up today's show. I greatly appreciate everybody coming in. We had a great, you know, great chat participation and great viewing throughout the entirety of the show. Just thank you so much for supporting us. It means so much to me, Patrick and Charlie. As like I said, this has been a complete experiment from day one. Thanks so much to Howard and his team for letting us put together this show. But like I said, greatly appreciate all the support on all our shows. It's been absolutely tremendous and amazing that, you know, we were able to do this. So like I said, thank you again to everybody. And if you're inclined to it, follow our TikTok. I post a bunch of Patrick and Charlie rants on there that everyone loves. So I post a bunch of highlights on there. So if you would be inclined, it's just betting and boozing, just like the show on TikTok. So if you would be, if you are so inclined, please check us out there. But guys, again, that's going to wrap up episode number seven of betting and boozing on the HHH and podcast. Wow. Good English. But if you guys are interested, please tune in tomorrow to Howard's show that is covering the Louisiana Derby preview day. There's going to be a bunch of Derby points up for grabs with a bunch of really good horses. So if you're interested, please go check that out tomorrow. But um, everyone else, please have a great night. And like I said, good luck with all your picks on Saturday. Thanks, everybody. Good night. If I could pick the damn thing. (laughs) 